All right, friends, we're going to have a little bit of fun to start off today, do something a little unusual. Um, I need a little bit of audience participation today. Don't worry that we're not going into deep theology or anything embarrassing. I, I want to ask, um, I'll let three of you respond to this, do a hand raise. I would like you to tell me, who is your favorite superhero and why? Very quickly, take three of you. And it can't be a biblical figure. We're not going to do that today. Bob, Superman. why? Yeah, George Reeves, that's right. Well done. That's old school, man. Good. Superman, love it. Uh, anybody else got a, got a different superhero? Yes, up in the balcony, Tim. Spider-Man. Why Spider-Man? Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Okay, uh, I won't do the theme song. Anybody else? Oh, Diana, please. Thor, why? Don't say because he's good looking. Don't do it. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, he's got the big hammer. I know, I like that. So let me tell you who my two favorites are. Uh, my, my two are The Flash and Johnny Flame from the Fantastic Four. Now, I'll tell you why. Um, first of all, the Flash can run 186,000 miles a second. Stop laughing, it's true. I read it in a comic book, okay? And Johnny Flame, otherwise known as the Human Torch, he's, I mean, why not? He flies around and burns stuff up. I mean, it's, uh, by the way, the two worst superheroes of all time, if you didn't know, are Aquaman and Robin. Um, unless, unless crime is really out of control under the sea, and then it's just Robin, okay? So, oh, and listen, what's so interesting, though, about superheroes, and this is true even of Superman, every superhero has a flaw or a weakness. They have a limitation. Have you ever noticed that? And I think, I think the writers did that because if they didn't have any flaw, then there's no story, right? Um, but even Superman, his weakness is what, Bob? Kryptonite, right? Well, welcome to today's attribute of God, which is omnipotence. Omni meaning all and uh, potent meaning powerful. And when you put those two together, what it means it is, is that God has unlimited power. This is the attribute of God that means God is able to do anything that he wills, wants to do, or desires to do. Wow, okay? Um, we know that from the word of God. We see it all over the place. Job says this about God in Job 42.2. He says, Lord, I know that you can do all things. Mary says this uh, in Luke 1.37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Jesus says it in a different way a little later, Matthew 19.26, for with God, all things are possible, right? And so we, we've run into a word in Scripture 333 times uh, calling God rightly the Almighty, because God literally has all 
might. And so this is a word. This is why some of us got into trouble as kids. Um, the, the word almighty is a word that can only be applied to God. It doesn't fit with anyone else. And my grandmother, when I was a kid, we, we would throw words around like, oh, gosh, almighty. Or we would say, awesome. And my grandmother would say, no, those words are for God and God alone. And she was actually, you know, a little, she was tight on it, but she, she was absolutely right. A few of those verses. Job again, verse, uh, chapter 33, 4. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Psalm 24.10, who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. Revelation 1.8, from the, the, the lips of Jesus, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who was, who is, and is to come, the Almighty. So it's pretty clear. It's all over the place. And I love what Tozier writes here just about the logic of this. He says, to reign or to rule, God must have power. To reign sovereignly as the Lord of all creation, God must have all power. And it makes sense when you think about it. Because for, for God to create the world, okay, to be the creator who made the world and everything in it and the forces of nature... God must have more power than anything he ever created. So go ahead and think about that most powerful force, that, that, that most incredible force of nature. God is, God is far beyond it. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Uh, Hebrews 1.3, God, and just picture this, God upholds the universe, sustaining all things by his powerful word or by his power. So with that said, God can do all things. Are we clear? I, I, think, I think all of this makes the point very clearly. But even though God can do all things, it doesn't mean he does all things. In fact, there are some things that God won't do, some things that God will never do. You look really interested in this point. You want to hear what they are? Okay. Um, number one, and I love these, God will never sin. And God will never lead any one of us into sin. James 1.13, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does God tempt anyone. So there's one, God will never sin. Here's another, God will never act unjustly. Jeremiah 9.24, I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Here's what's cool. You can even take the first two points, put them together, um, God uh, with sin or God will never act unjustly. And you can even point back to a song we just sung. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Um, number three, God will never abandon us. Have there been times in your life when you felt lonely? When you, you, you felt like you're crying out to God and, and there's no one listening? Um, that is actually impossible. God says this to, to Joshua in Joshua 1.15, I will never leave or forsake you. For those of us who have read scripture, does that ever show up again in the Bible? 
in any other form. This, this is not just a, a kind words to Joshua. This, this is repeated over and over and over in Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, prophets, uh, poetic writings, the Gospels, later writings, I will never leave you. Never will you be alone. I will never forsake you. Um, I'm, I'm always there. So that's something God won't do. Here's another one. This is my favorite. God will never stop loving you. God will never stop loving me. Isn't that the greatest thing in the world? That, that, that is a promise of Scripture. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that's great is your faithfulness in loving us, God. Here's another one. One of your favorites, right? See it at football games, right, Nick? John 3.16. That's the great proclamation of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And the Greek use, this little phrase, for God so loved the world, you know what that means? It doesn't just mean, you know, God's really into geology, right? It means everyone on this planet at all times, for as long as there is a world and it's populated, that's God loving the world. Some of us need to hear that down deep today. By the way, speaking of love, I just I, I got tickled right in the sermon when I thought of this. Speaking of love, can you imagine what God would be like without love? Can you imagine all of that power without love? Talk about superheroes. You know who God would be? Guess. Without love and all that power, God would be the Incredible Hulk. Can you imagine that? Did, did anybody ever watch that show? It was like in the 70s and 80s and Little Bruce Banner. And it always happened 20 minutes in and 40 minutes in, right? Every single episode. But, you know, he'd be going along having a great day. And this, kind of think of God this way. Going along having a great day. The sun's out. And all of a sudden, something ticks him off. And what happens? He looks up and the eyes are green and rah! That would be God. Smashing, destroying, obliterating because of our weakness because of us breaking a command, because of us doing something dark in secret. But see, we don't ever have to worry about that, do we? Right? We don't, because we've already learned so much about God's nature up to this point. And one of the things we've learned from two weeks ago is that God is unchanging. Do you remember that? God never changes. In other words, God will never act outside of his character. Do you realize that? God will never violate his nature. And so no matter what God does, we know this, it will always be done in perfect goodness and perfect love. And so when you take all that, okay, all four weeks and put them together, God lives eternally, God is unchanging, God is everywhere. And remember from Morgan's sermon, all of God is everywhere all at once. And God is unlimited in his power. What should we expect of God? We should expect 
a saving, rescuing God. That's what we ought, that's what we ought to expect all throughout Scripture. And that's exactly what we get throughout, all, throughout the whole Bible. We have a God who pursues wayward people. We have a God who rescues, a, a God who sets free. We see that in Scripture from beginning to end. And by the way, that's what we've also experienced in our lives. Think about you before Jesus. I know some of us grew up in the church, but some of us had a very clearly defined before Jesus. What happened when he showed up in your life? What happened when you welcomed Jesus into your life? Things changed. You became new. You are not who you were. That, that's this God that we're talking about at work. He rescues. He saves. He grows up spiritually lost people. I love with that moment with the Israelites in Egypt. You know, what does God do? The, Israel, the Egyptians are right behind them. The Red Sea is before them. What does the saving, loving God of all power do? Parts the Red Sea. They walk across on dry land to what eventually? To a promised land. I mean, look at Jesus. He raises dead people to life, spiritually dead people, sometimes physically dead people. We read that in Scripture. He feeds hungry people. With what? A little bit of bread, a, a few fish. He rescues hopeless sinners from evil they could never get their way out of. And that, that was one of the things I, I discovered from my before Jesus. You know, I cried out, there was no way I could get out of the sin and the addiction in my life. Here I am, a, a, a different person. This God has rescued us, and that is the good news of the gospel. That is the gospel, the good news of God's love and God's power. Romans 1.16 it is the power of God to save everyone who believes in Jesus. And what's so beautiful about God's power is that it isn't a one-shot deal, you know? Like, oh man, I was lost. I invited Jesus into my life. He saved me, and I can't wait for heaven so I could run into God's power again. That's not how it works, is it? The power of God continues to show up in our lives afterwards. It, it is a reality. It should be a, a reality throughout our lives as Christians. Jesus continues to grow us, to, 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 uh, to strengthen us, to change our lives. For some of us, this principle is our favorite scripture in, in the whole Bible. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, what does it say? It says, he, God, gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Specifically, they can count on three things. One, they will soar on wings like eagles, right? At times in our lives. That's the power of God at work in our lives sometimes. Other times, we can just do what? We just run and not be weary. I know, I'm, I'm moving right now, aren't I? Sometimes we, we just walk and not faint. That's the promise of the power of God. And that's why we in the church... And I think we even need to hear this as Presbyterians sometimes. That's why we in the church have got to be very careful and beware of any theology that limits the power of God. Like strict Arminianism, where our decisions determine what God does next. You know, and I, I, free will's in play, I admit that, but 
on, on, on that strict side of it, it's this idea that God is waiting and he's watching and, and, and he's waiting to see what you do so he can complete his plan. So he can decide what comes next. It's not biblical. It just doesn't bear up with scripture. Or teaching that claims that God doesn't act powerfully anymore. And you run into that sometimes. You know, people say, well, you know, the miracles of the Bible, the, the spiritual gifts that we read about, the, those ended, those are over. It doesn't happen anymore. Not biblical. It's not a biblical concept. Instead, what we want to do is the church of Jesus Christ. We want to stay in the lane of the Lord's prayer. Matthew 6.10, which says, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done down here on earth just like it is in heaven. That's the posture that we want to hold as the church of Jesus Christ. Now, hopefully, all of that is really comforting to you. It's really encouraging to just hear about the power of how mighty our God is, right? Uh, but it can still leave us with some really tough questions, some really personal questions like this one. If God is all-loving and all-powerful, then why has he not gotten rid of my glaring flaws? Why am I still walking around in this same old human individual weakness in my life? Sometimes we can ask God, God, why? You know, I, I'm infirmed inside, maybe out. Why, why, why is that if you're all powerful and all loving? And folks, that is a great question to ask. So I'm going to invite you to watch something for just a moment. Um, because someone's actually answered this question better than I can today. I want you to watch a, a movie clip for just a minute, okay? Well, actually, it's a few minutes. I'm violating the rules of movie clips because this one's a little longer than two minutes. Um, in the following clip from The Chosen, Jesus has just told the disciples that he's going to send them out two by two, okay? And so here are the disciples, and Jesus said, I've just given you all authority to go out and proclaim my name and to minister to people. And the 12 disciples in the scene before this are like, say what? We're going to do what you've been doing. And Jesus is like, yeah, absolutely, I give you authority to do that. So he, they finally finish the conversation. The disciples hear this, they're rattled, they've accepted it, and then Jesus leaves. And one of them follows Jesus out and asks them the very question that we just asked a minute ago. Again, if God has all power, then why does he leave us with glaring weaknesses and infirmities? We just saw it in the scene we, we watched, but we, we also read about it in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when Paul says, he talks about his thorn in the flesh. Do you all remember that? Paul, Paul mentions Something in his life that was a huge obstacle. It's, it's getting in the way of ministry. It's slowing Paul down. Is it physical? Is it spiritual? Is it emotional, mental? We don't really know. But, but Paul says three times, I beg God to take that away. I beg God to get rid of it. And then God spoke to me and he said this, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is perfected in your weakness. In other words, God didn't heal Paul. God didn't fix Paul. God didn't turn Paul into a superhero. Why? Why? God worked through Paul just like he was, flaws and all, for a reason. And it's so that both Paul and everybody would know 
that it was God doing the work and not Paul. There's a scene like that with the disciples. You remember that in the book of Acts where uh, the, the disciples defend, right? They, they, they speak, and the, the ruling body's watching them, and they just want to take them apart. And after the disciples speak, they just can't because they've spoken with the wisdom of Jesus. And the council looks around and they goes, how can this be possible? How can it be possible for these men to be like this? I mean, this one is a tax collector, okay? This one's a zealot, which is basically a political murderer. The rest of these guys are fishermen. It's a group of knuckleheads. But it's obvious they've been with Jesus. It's obvious Jesus is in them. And that's the point. That's why God works through our weaknesses sometime. This happened to me once. I remember one Sunday I got up. I got up. I was going to preach. And... As soon as I got out of bed, I went, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I had the stomach flu. And it was, I mean, full-on stomach flu, right? It's too late to call anybody to preach. I'm like, this is terrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. So all the way up through worship, I'm like back in the hall like this and going, oh, God, you've got to do something here. I can't walk up there with a trash can, right? I don't have have any barf bags with me. This will never work. Plus, no one be able to eat for a week like this. So I said, God, please, in Jesus' name, do something. And as I, as I walked up to the podium, it was completely gone. Completely gone. I preached. I didn't touch and minister to anybody that day, but I preached, went home, and it came on full, full blast again. But in that moment, in, in that day, I came away, like Paul, with a new appreciation of God working through our weaknesses. This is part of the design of God. And we can hear that and go, okay, I hear that, and that's really wonderful, and I believe that. But what about all those times before Jesus was in my life when I cried out to God, and I I begged God to fix me, to to get rid of my darkness, and, you know, to rescue me from my situation, and, and, and nothing happened. If God has all that power and all that love, why did I go through all that darkness before Jesus Christ? And I hear you, and I've been there, especially if you're asking that question today from from your current place. I've been there, and I've asked that question, and here's the answer I came away with. First of all, Jesus Christ is God's solution for our brokenness and our sin. Do we agree on that? He, He is God's solution. Asking Christ into our lives is how we get saved, forgiven, cleanse, that's where new life comes from. And a life uh, of, of following Christ is how we get whole. That's how we become whole. And, and that process takes a lifetime. Um, I know a few of you in the room are older than me, so let me ask you, because I could say yes to this, but is wholeness something that's still happening in your lives even at an older age? Are you still growing in Christ, becoming in Christ, This is a lifetime of work God does. So we're clear there. Well, on the flip side of that, apart from Jesus, there is no solution for sin, for brokenness, for darkness and death at work uh, in our lives. And so this, this situation that where we're, we're, uh, we're really living in is not that we're crying out and God's up in heaven going, psh, forget you. It's, it's that God is right here in his fullness, right before you in your life, just like Morgan preached last week. So what we're doing in that scenario is we're crying out to God for help, but we're still holding on to that old life outside of Christ. The solution for that is that we've got to surrender. 
let go of that old life and join hands with God through Jesus Christ. That's that beautiful moment of repentance because Jesus is the one who brings God's love, God's power, God's wholeness, God's newness, God's fullness, and we could keep going on and on and on. Jesus Christ is our experience of the power of the living God, the power and the love of God. Sound good? Well, let's pray about that. Father, we, we love you. And again, we've said this before, but we love you because you first loved us. And Lord, it is astounding to look at who you are, all that power and all of that love, and to consider that it is all directed toward us. That God, you have a plan and you have a glory and a majesty and everything is all about you, Lord. We acknowledge that. And yet, God, you reach out to us. You call out to us. You rescue us. And you do something beautiful with our lives. Thank you. Thank you, God. We bless you. We love you. And we just, uh, we just want to thank you and stay in that place. In Jesus' name, amen.